0: been with us for the last several months. We've been working through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We've taken a break from that. We'll probably pick that up sometime this fall, is my guess. Um, But we're starting a new short series this morning on something called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is a fancy uh, Bible school word that means the study of the church. So for the next four weeks or so, we're going to be talking about what the church is, how the church works, how we function as part of God's church, and there's a few few things that I, I want us to engage in as we do this because one of the things that we ascribe to as a church is what's called a formal membership. We have, we have bylaws as a church in the United States, you have to have legal documents, and our bylaws state that our church is comprised of members that are formally identified. Up until this point, about a year and a half into our existence, we don't have any members, and so we're going to be instituting that part of how our church works this summer. Going forward, if you would want to be a member of our church, we're going to set up some classes for that to happen. But I figured since we don't have any members, we just do membership class on Sunday mornings. And anybody who at the end of that is interested in becoming a member of our church should have the information that they need to do that. So that being said, uh, a couple things, if you are planning on going on vacation in the month of July, or if you're working in the children's ministry or anything, I would encourage you to listen to the podcasts if you can't make the service, because there's four very distinct things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about what the church is this morning. We're going to be talking about how a member, an individual, fits in the church next week, we're going to be talking about how we function as members in our local church, in Revelation Church, the following week. And then the fourth week, we're going to talk about our leadership, what, what, how elders work, which we are governed by a body of elders, and um, we're going to talk about those sort of things. And so they all kind of co- flow together. So if you are going to miss a Sunday, I would encourage you to pick up the podcast. The other thing I would encourage you to do is, this is the second time we're going to be doing this, but we're going to do a question and response at the end of this series. Um, John, I think you have a slide for that. So if you have a question, either this morning or at any time throughout our series, just text that question to that phone number. Um, we, and at the end of the series, we're going to compile the questions and do a, a Q&R um, Addressing some of the questions that we get, so John, feel free to leave that slide up as appropriate this morning. The other thing that I want to make you aware of is if you're interested in some of the documents that govern our church, we set up a page on our website. If you go to revelationcda.com/membership, uh, you can find a copy of our bylaws. You can find a copy of the members covenant for you to look at, um, and if you have questions about that, just text the phone number, and we will go over. Uh, questions at the end of the series. Make sense? Everybody good? All right. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about the church. And what I want us to leave with at the end of today is just a feeling of awe, a feeling of just, wow, if I'm a Christian, I get to be a part of this. And this is big. And this is important. And the way we're going to start that is we're going to do something a little weird. I went back and forth on whether I wanted to do this, but I couldn't think of a really good reason not to. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians this morning. Um, If you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. If you are not using, I'm using the Christian Standard Bible Um, I would encourage you to read from this version of the Bible today. If you don't have access to that or on an app, the, the Bibles in the pews are Christian standard Bibles, and Ephesians is on page 1036. Ephesians is a letter that was written to a church in the city of Ephesus in the first century. And what would have happened is the Apostle Paul, who was an early Christian missionary, he would have sent this letter to the Ephesians by a guy named Tychicus, a friend of his. He said, hey, Tychicus, take this letter to the Ephesians. And so Tychicus would have showed up on a Sunday at the church in Ephesus, and he would have said, hey, I have a letter from Paul. And the church elders in Ephesus would have gone, hey, get up here and read it. And Tychicus would have read the letter to the church. And we have a tendency, and it's a good tendency, to take things like this and break them up into little chunks and talk about three verses or four verses at a time. But what I want to do to help us see just kind of the awe and the beauty and the wonder of the church is I want to pretend that we're the Ephesian church. I will play the role of Tychicus, and I'm going to read this letter this morning. And it's going to take about 15 minutes. <laughs> and I think we can handle that. But if you're feeling weird about that, it's okay, because it's weird. We won't do this very often. And you don't, this doesn't happen in church for some reason. Um, but we're going to read the letter. And what I want you to do is I want, you to, I want you to follow along if you can. And I think it'd be best if you follow along in the version I'm using, which is why I said you can use the Pew Bibles. But if you start to fade, if your attention starts to drift, I want you to think about a couple things. Think about how important the church is to God. And then I also want you to come at this with the understanding that when Paul says you, when Paul says us, he's almost always speaking in the plural. So whenever whenever he says something about you, resist the temptation to go, he's talking to me. He is, but he's talking to us. So, here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. "'For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world "'to be holy and blameless in love before him. "'He predestined us to be adopted as sons "'through Jesus Christ for himself "'according to the good pleasure of his will, "'to the praise of his glorious grace "'that he lavished on us in the beloved one. "'In him we have redemption through his blood, "'the forgiveness of our trespasses "'according to the riches of his grace "'that he richly poured out on us "'with all wisdom and understanding.'" He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. This is why, since I, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stopped giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty works of his spirit. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything from the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you had previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace." He did this so that he might reconcile one to God, both to God in one body through the Christ, the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit." For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about this administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you? The, revelation was made, the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, and is, is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit." The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body and partners of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may be now known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have bold, boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to think, to do above, beyond all we are asked or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ." "'Until we all reach unity in the faith "'and in the knowledge of God's Son, "'growing into maturity with a stature "'measured by Christ's fullness. "'Then we will no longer be little children "'tossed by the waves and blown around "'by every wind of teaching, "'by human cunning with cleverness "'in the techniques of deceit. "'But speaking the truth in love, "'let us grow in every way into him "'who is the head, Christ.'" From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity in the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. "'Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children "'and walk in love as Christ also loved us "'and gave himself for us, "'a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. "'But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed "'should not even be heard of among you "'as is proper for saints.' Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking "'are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. "'For know and recognize this, "'every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person "'who is an idolater does not have an inheritance "'in the kingdom of Christ and of God. "'Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, "'for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient "'because of these things. "'Therefore, do not become their partners, "'for you were once darkness, "'but now you are light in the Lord.'" Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention, then, to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ." "'Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, "'because the husband is the head of the wife, "'as Christ is the head of the church. "'He is the Savior of the body. "'Now the the church submits to Christ, "'so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. "'Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church "'and gave himself for her, to make her holy, "'cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. "'He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, "'without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, "'but holy and blameless.'" In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies, for who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, "'because this is right. "'Honor your father and mother, "'which is the first commandment with a promise, "'so that it may go well with you "'and that you may have a long life in the land. "'Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, "'but bring them up in the training "'and instruction of the Lord.'" "'Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling "'and the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. "'Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, "'but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. "'Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord "'and not to people, knowing that whatever good "'each one does, slave or free, "'he will receive this back from the Lord.'" And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. "'Put on the full armor of God "'so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. "'For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, "'but against the rulers, against the authorities, "'against the cosmic powers of this darkness, "'against evil spiritual forces in the heavens.'" For this reason take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace in every situation take up the shield of faith which with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints pray also for me that the message may be given to me when i open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for this i am an ambassador in chains pray that i might be bold enough to speak about it as i should tychicus our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the lord will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed i am sending him to you for this very reason so let to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) What did we read? We read that we are faithful saints that we are chosen in him, that we are his plan, that we are spirit gifted and led. We are Christ's body. We are a display of God's riches. We are prepared for good works. We're a new humanity. We're citizens, God's family. We're God's temple, the place where God lives. We are the conduit of God's wisdom to the heavenly powers. We are united. We've been equipped by qualified leaders. We are growing. We're markedly different from the world around us. Christ is our head and we are submitted to him. Jesus gave himself for us and he makes us holy through his word. Jesus loves us like a man loves his wife and we have the opportunity to stand against the cosmic powers of darkness. Like, I hope you feel the weight of that. Like this idea of the people of God gathering and worshiping the King and following Christ together, this is God's plan for the salvation of the world. Like, He totally could have come up with a different plan. He could have written his plan of salvation in the sky. He could have never ascended to the Father and just continued to teach people on the earth. But he chose to give us his Holy Spirit and equip us and make us his people. And we should feel that that's awesome. That's amazing. That it's special. We talk about the universal church and we talk about the local church sometimes. The universal church is this idea of every Christian in all of time, all around the world, everyone who is committed to following Christ, being part of his church. And then we say the local church, that's, that's an expression of God's church in a local place, whether it's the church in Asia or the church in the United States or the church in Coeur d'Alene or Revelation Church. These are all local expressions of the church. But there's something about the universal church that isn't, isn't quite real in the same way that the local church is. Someday, everyone in the church will be gathered together with God in heaven in the kingdom of God. But now, the universal church is kind of a vague thing. And a lot of people, and, and in, in, in some sense, I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because we're all at church this morning, but many people in, uh, who, who would say that they follow Jesus are just not interested in being a part of the local community of God that they that they meet with God in the woods or on the golf course or or they're just for whatever reason they've they've been hurt by the church and they've disengaged and they don't need the local church but but there's a problem with that if you imagine somebody coming to you and saying I am an Olympic runner and you say well, really that's awesome which olympics have you run in and they say I've never run in the olympics And you say, "Okay, are you going to be on a team in the upcoming Olympics? No. So how are you an Olympic runner? Well, me and my buddy, we go to the high school and time ourselves running around the track. Well, that's kind of like being an Olympic runner, but it's not being an Olympic runner, right? You have to be a part of the Olympics to be an Olympic runner. And in the same way, there really shouldn't be people who say, I'm a part of the universal church, but I'm not part of the local church. That shouldn't make any sense. But unfortunately, that's a reality. People, people decide to disconnect from the local body of Christ. But the, the thing is, every time we see the church in the Bible, we see a local body. Paul writes his letters to local churches. Jesus, even in the beginning of the book of Revelation, he writes the Revelation to seven local churches. And every time the church is expressed in the scripture, God assumes that we're gathering together in a local place, using our gifts, sitting under the word, praying for one another, reaching out into our community. And so God's plan for the world is his local church. We... We're part of a network of churches called CB Northwest. And CB Northwest is a a group of churches in uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, a little bit of Montana. And we talk about being in covenant community with one another. And what that means is is our relationship is based on a covenant, not a contract. If you get a cell phone, you get a contract with Verizon or AT&T and the contract says, I will give you money and you will give me data and minutes, and text messages. And the minute I stop giving you money, you're going to stop giving me data. And hopefully, if you stop giving me data, I don't have to give you money anymore. But that's not usually how it works for some reason. But it's a contract. Each party has obligations. And if somebody breaks their side of the contract, the other person breaks their side of the contract. A covenant is different. A covenant says, here are the things that I'm going to do, and here are the things that you're going to do. And if you break your side of the agreement, I'm still going to be faithful. Mine. And this is the relationship we have with God, right? He says, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. Well, what happens if I don't uphold my part of the bargain, God? I don't care. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to give you my gift of grace. I'm going to pay for your sins on the cross. I'm going to f- give myself to you even if you fail me. And this is the relationship that we have as a church. To be a member of the local church is to be in covenant with one another. It's to say, I am going to submit myself to the people in this body. I am gonna work to serve the people in this body. I'm going to work to use my gifts to build them up. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna seek their good. And when they fail me because they're going to fail me, I'm going to continue to uphold what I said I was going to. And that's a hard thing, something that we don't like. We say that marriage is a covenant, you know, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Even when you fall apart, I'm going to stick with this. But, but we see that that's not really a reality in our world anymore. We've decided that marriage is a contract. And if you stop making the food the way I like it, or if I don't think you're interesting anymore, whatever, we just break it. And so living life as covenantal people is weird. But it's what God calls us to. Cyprian of Carthage, who was a third-century Christian said this, you cannot have God as your father unless you have the church as your mother. He says the primary way that God makes Christians is through his church. It's you and I sharing the love that we have in our hearts with others. And other people going, you know, you have something that's compelling. You have something that I want. How do I get that? But saying, I'm going to be committed to a local church is hard. The church is imperfect. It's flawed. It's problematic. Brett McCracken writes, the imperfect nature of the church per- proves too challenging for some. They prefer to be spiritual but not religious They embrace Jesus but ditch the church, oblivious to the fact that in doing so they are creepily embracing a decapitated head. That's a weird image, isn't it? But isn't that what we just read in Ephesians? Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. I'm into Jesus, but I'm not into the church. Why are you carrying around a decapitated head? The church, the local church, is the one place that God has created for our holiness, our sanctification, our growth. R.C. Sproul says, It is foolish and wicked to suppose that we will make much progress in sanctification if we isolate ourselves from the visible church. And Charles Spurgeon wrote, I believe that every Christian ought to be joined to some visible church. That is his plain duty according to the scriptures. People, God's people are not dogs. Otherwise, they might go about one by one. They are sheep, and therefore they should be in flocks. So we read in the letter to the Ephesians, and we see that the church is beautiful, the church is powerful, the church is important, and we've all been grafted into it as God's family if we are followers of Christ. So let's turn the corner a little bit and talk about just some practical things. What is the church? What does what what the church look like? Gary Bashirs has a definition, an eight-point definition in his book, Vintage Church. And the first thing he says is the church is a regenerated church membership, a specific group of people made alive by Jesus. Paul said that in Ephesians, you used to be far from God, but now you've been joined to God's family. and And the world doesn't like that, the idea that there are, there's an in-group and an out-group, but that's the reality of the church. You have to be a Christian to be a part of the church. Everyone is welcome to be at church, and we encourage people of any uh, faith or people who are curious or journeying or questioning or doubting, however you show up, we want you here. But in order to be part of the church, you have to take the step to say yes to Jesus. Number two, qualified leadership. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 5, all these places talk about how the church is governed by the head, Christ, and then led by shepherds underneath Jesus that submit themselves to him to make decisions for the body. Those leaders are chosen from among the people, and they're supported by the congregation. This is the uh, we'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but this is the church government that our church has. We have a board of elders that are um, qualified, called men that have been asked to lead God's people, and these men have been affirmed by the members of the church. Number three, a church lives in submission and response to the authority of Scripture. This book is our yardstick. At the end of the day, what this book says is how we pattern our life. This is God's Word. Number four, practice of the ordinances of baptism and communion. And we'll talk about both of these things more next week, but we baptize new believers, people who say, I want to proclaim my faith in Christ. And by doing that, they going under the water and coming back up represent the death and resurrection of Jesus, death to their old life, newness of life in Christ. And they say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And the church witnesses that and says, yes, I believe you are. You are welcome into our midst as a brother or sister. And then we take communion. We do it here every week. We celebrate. The Lord's death, the fact that Jesus conquered sin and death by allowing himself to die on the cross. And we remember that. The bread represents his broken body and the the cup represents his blood. Number five, a church has unity in the Holy Spirit. We all come from really different places. I meet with some of the guys in our community multiple times a week and we talk about politics and no one leaves happy, it's great. <laughs> and we have, you know, we have different tastes in music and you know, family and, and clothing, you know, just all of these different issues. Imagine the issue, we, we all differ and yet we're all united because we all submit ourselves to Christ. He is the thing that brings us together. Number six, Prashir says that the church is committed to personal and corporate holiness. Based on what this book teaches us, there are some things that should mark our life. Not because we're earning our way to God, we've already been accepted by God. We've already been made part of his family. But because we want to represent his family well, like Paul said in Ephesians, walk worthy of the calling you've been given. Because you've been called Christian, this is how you should live. And we should live in certain, there are, there are always going to be certain ways that the church looks really weird compared to the world outside. One of the ways that's in the news a lot lately is, is, is the Christian sexual ethic. We have very interesting views on how men and women should interact sexually. And the world goes, you are weird. Nobody does that. That's bizarre. And maybe it is, but that's who we are. Additionally, we should, be, we should be generous people. The United States of America is one of the most generous nations in the world, and on average, we give 3 to 5% of our income away every year. As the church, we should, we should be way beyond that. People should be able to look at Christians and go, you're just off the charts with how generous you are compared to the average person. Number seven, Brashear says that the church is filled with great commandment love. We are committed to loving one another. We are committed to loving our neighbors. We're committed to even loving our enemies. And this is why it's so painful to be hurt in the church. Many of us can t- tell a story of how someone who they trusted, someone who is a Christian hurt them in significant ways. And the reason that that's painful is because you opened up yourself to those people. You trusted them. You were vulnerable to them. You are authentic to them. And you felt betrayed by them. But that's the kind of relationship we're supposed to pursue as family, even if it hurts. And then number eight, Great Commission Disciple Making. We are a people that are confident that Jesus wants us to grow, to share our faith with others, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So as we close, just some things to think about with regards to the church. And again, for many of us, this is is the church that we've decided. This is our home. This is This is our community. And so maybe it doesn't apply to you directly. Maybe it applies to friends of yours that are wrestling with some of these things. But with regards to selecting a church, find a church that checks the important boxes. What do they believe about scripture? What do they believe about Jesus? What do they believe about grace? But then charitably put up with the stuff that bothers you and annoys you. Because I guarantee you, That stuff is in every church in town. There's going to be stuff that's like, man, I just, the pastor leads music sometimes and he just can't sing and it drives me crazy. Just have grace for me there. The seats are too hard. There's no air conditioning. We sing too much. We don't sing enough. We read the Bible too much. We don't read the Bible enough. Why do we take communion every week? Isn't that excessive? I mean, we could go on and on and on and on, right, of things that we don't like. But it's the gift that God has allowed you to give the rest of us to put up with that stuff because the important stuff is there. I hope. Secondly, participation in the church. There are reasons to disconnect from a local church, but I can't find any reasons that are permanent. Sometimes you're, maybe you're in the military and you're on deployment. Maybe you're a a missionary heading to a unchurched people group and there are no churches where you're going and you're gonna start some. Maybe you've been profoundly hurt by someone and you just have to back away to let God heal you. Those are all valid things and I'm sure there's more, but, but those never end with, and I'm out. I'm done. I'm not going back. God's purpose for his people is to be engaged in the local church, and that at some point needs to be true for all of us. For some of us, we need to be more committed to God's people. Church is more than Sunday mornings, right? We gather on Sunday morning, we sing, we listen to the Word taught, we take communion, we hang out with each other and have a cup of coffee. It's more than that, but it's not less than that. Gathering with God's people is like going to the gym. If you wanna be healthy, there are, you have to do a lot of things. You have to eat right and you have to exercise and you have to get lots of sleep and, and there's probably other things that I don't know about being healthy. But one of those things might be going to the gym. If you miss the gym occasionally, you'll be fine. But if you miss the gym habitually, you will grow weak. Make a habit of gathering with God's people. But at the same time, the church needs to be bigger than just this gathering. Think about a family that gets together for dinner for one hour a week and that's the only time they see each other. Are they going to be close? Probably not. I mean, it's nice that they're getting together for dinner once a week, but if none of them see each other at any other time throughout the week, they're not going to be a close family. And we run the danger of that here. If we, if we see church as just a Sunday morning gathering, I, I spend time with many of the men in our church throughout the week. We have a community in our home. There's some other communities throughout the week that gather 10 to 20 people. I get phone calls from some of you. I text you to say, hey, how's it going sometimes. We get together for projects in the middle of the week. We pray for one another. We have a prayer team of about 10 people that make sure that everyone in the church gets prayed for every day. Being part of God's church should be just the rhythm of our life, and it shouldn't be an add on to it. And then the last thing as we close is the value of the church. I'm going to read Psalm 16, verse 3. This is King David, Israelite king, talking about God's people. And he says. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. I wonder, can I say that about myself? All of my delight is in God's people. Because that's the thing. The, the young mom that takes her time out to teach our children the older woman who just spends her whole day praying, the businessman who works hard so that he can generously give to the work of God in this place. These are the people that matter. A million years from now, these are the people that will have books written about them, stories told about them. It's not going to be Putin or Trump or Brexit or the Supreme Court or whatever it is that just clogs our news feeds. It's going to be God's people and the little things that they did that nobody knew about that were powerful. This is a quote from Donald Whitney, and then we'll be done. To delight yourself in anything else more than in God and the work of his kingdom is like contenting yourself with watching a video of someone else's wedding ceremony when you could be on your honeymoon. So are we as God's people on our honeymoon together? Are we living this life with the power of the Holy Spirit, making a difference in our community? Or are we just like watching somebody else's wedding video? We'll we'll sing and we'll take communion and we do that, number one, because God tells us to. We read it in Ephesians, sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs to one another but we do it to light a fire in our hearts for Christ. We do it to remind one another of the good news of Jesus. If I had my way, the pews would be turned sideways so you all sing at each other. Thankfully for you, I don't have my way. (laughs) And in the midst of that, we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, the foundation of our faith this historical reality that Jesus came to save us and how weird he did it. He didn't conquer an army. He let an army conquer him. And in that strange upside down way, he defeated death and he gives us life just by saying, do you want life? (laughs) It's that easy. And we get to remind ourselves of that every week as we remember his love for us. So God, thank you so much for your church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this place that we get to gather in. God, I I can't I can't understand the church the way you see it. Even reading through Ephesians this morning, it, it's just kind of mind-blowing. What does it mean that we're seated with you in the heavens? The incalculable riches of your grace. I feel like we only barely get a taste of this. And God, I just pray that you would give us more of a taste, a greater taste. God, help us to engage with one another to be committed to your people, to recognize that that your church is the plan for the salvation of the world and we get to be a part of it. God, just pour out your spirit this morning. Just fill us with your grace. Help us to love one another well. And Whatever is going on in this place, in our hearts, God, if we're, if today is a great Sunday, if today is a terrible Sunday, if if there's hard things coming or hard things behind us, God, I, I just pray that you would strengthen us, grow us, make us more like Jesus. Give us the humility to open up our lives to others and for others give us the boldness to use our gifts to benefit the rest of our church family. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.